After the conclusion of my last trip, a two-week adventure in northern Vietnam, I returned to Saigon. With only a short amount of time left in Vietnam before I head back to the States, I wanted to take a step back and look holistically at my summer adventure and develop several takeaways of the places I've been to, the people I've met, and the moments I've had the chance to experience. In these last few episodes, I want to attempt to answer the questions that's been in the theme of this podcast. What is the Vietnamese narrative and how has it evolved? Who, what really is the nature of the change the Vietnamese natives witnessed? Who benefits? Who's left behind? Considering the vastness of Vietnam and all it has to offer, it is unlikely that the answer I can give now will be the best answer out there. But by trying to understand different perspectives and use those perspectives to form as best as possible an answer, I'm improving my perception of the world around me. That, fundamentally, is the aim. Welcome to the Vietnamese Narrative Podcast. In this episode, I revisited a place that arguably is what Saigon is known for. I revisited a place that I don't remember setting my foot in for the past several years. I'm talking about Bintan Market. In this episode, we will explore the history of Bintan Market, what its function is, as well as the perception of the market from the people who work within it. As this is one of the last episodes, I will examine from the perspective of a Viet native of what really is the definition of a marketplace. Throughout my summer adventure, I have had the chance to visit many different markets around the country. All of them are unique in their own ways, but all of them, when looked at together, says a lot about the role markets play in Vietnamese society. Whether that be the famous Bakha market in Lao Cai, near Sapa, or the fishing markets in Phu Quoc and Quy Nhung. These markets differ in the community they serve, their function, the role they play within their own communities, and we will examine what the idea of a marketplace really is. Bintan Market is one of the oldest markets in Vietnam. The version that still exists today was built in 1912. Bintan Market was built before the French invaded Yadin. The region was called that back then. Originally, the market was next to Binh Nghè River and was used to greet and provide services to wandering guests and merchants. The area surrounding Bintan Market originally was a mini-sized metropolis with around 100,000 people. Next to the market, along the si- alongside the Binh Nghè River, ships and boats fight to dock alongside the market, which created a small floating city on a small section of the river. That was the general Bintan Marketplace area. However, in 1859, when France took over Yadin, Vietnamese troops opened fire on the city, which destroyed the market. In 1860, the French allowed the reconstruction of the Bintan Market at the same location. Over the next several decades, Bintan Market underwent a period of destruction, reconstruction, renovation, and the repetition of such. Until 1912, when a French company decided to build a new, redesigned permanent market. After the French Revolution and the American War, the Bintan Market survived alongside other famous Saigon historical sites, such as the Notre Dame Cathedral and the Post Office. In 1985, Bintan Market received a huge wave of new renovations which still exist in the market today. The architectural aspects of Bintan Market are among the most unique in the country. 
Bintan Market itself is a very symmetrical building with four main doors, north, east, south, and west doors. The beauty of Bintan Market lies within the material it was built back in 1912. Since there was no quality cement and steel to build a stable market, constructors used bricks and wooden spines with tiles for the roof. The four doors that serve as the main entryway and the exit of the market integrate many geometrical lines, shapes, and arcs. For example, the main gate of the market consists of an arch entryway with triangular slopes which leads up to the clock pillar of the gate with a square-based pyramid roof. Along the walls are also arches which form the exterior of the market. The market takes up over 13,000 square meters with over 1,500 stalls, big and small. Bintan Market sells everything from normal everyday supplies for locals to souvenirs and high-end handmade products for tourists. There is also a dedicated food court with hundreds of stalls selling all sorts of food, sweet and savory. Gordon Ramsay cooked at one of those stalls, Sung Mai, a decade ago. The stall still exists today and the owner still fondly remembers his visit. The market also springs into life at night, where the market spills onto the two side streets next to it to form a busy, rowdy, lively night market. Street side snack vendors are to park on any nook and cranny on the pavement they can find. The variety of foods and products you can find are virtually endless. Without a doubt, Bintan Market has become one of the most iconic symbols that Vietnam is known for. The renown of Bintan Market is often cited by tourists when they visit Saigon for the first time, as well as by locals when they need places to find cheap, quality food. In previous episodes of the podcast, when we have discussed the theme where famous sites, when facing increased exposure and promotion, have their function fundamentally changed because of rapid commercialization and commodification. It is true that Bintan Market has become a Saigon commodity because of its renown, but it is, inter- it is an interesting case when we analyze its original function versus the new role it plays in Saigon society. To truly understand this, we need to have a deeper understanding of the definition of what a marketplace is, and really, can it be a more fluid concept than what is defined in the dictionary? Let's take a look at the markets I've been to throughout this summer adventure and see if we can answer this exact question. We head a little bit south to Dung Lam village on the outskirts of Hanoi. Dung Lam is also dubbed the Dung Lam ancient village and it's also been recognized as a national heritage site. Dung Lam is the hometown of the most two famous Vietnamese kings, Ngo Quỳnh and Phong Hưng. Hence, the town is called the Town of Two Kings. To this day, Dung Lam still managed to preserve most of its historic charm. There are 956 traditional houses in the village built with the most special kind of brick called laterite that speculates have aged several centuries. The ground of the village is layered with bricks, and stories said that the people of the village have all helped to lay down the bricks of the village as a community bonding event. In this next stop, I want to focus on a market that really speaks to the fundamental role of what a market is from Vietnamese perspective, which is the mere market. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a marketplace is defined as an open space where a market is or was formerly held in a town. When talking about markets in Vietnam, there are a couple things that you should know. Vietnam fundamentally is a very rural country. According to Statista, about 65.6% of Vietnam's population live in rural areas. It would not be a far stretch to say that the proportion of rural areas will take up the majority of Vietnam's area itself. Hence, the main takeaway is that village culture makes up the majority of what Vietnamese culture really is. 
Village culture is centered around independent regional societies. Every different village or region has its own culture or way of which things happen. We can apply this takeaway to our discussion of the definition of the role of a marketplace in Vietnam. Perhaps, in order to discover the idea of a idea of a marketplace is more fluid than what is put on paper, we should have a baseline idea of the role of the marketplace applied to the case of Vietnam in the first place. How I see it is that a marketplace is a commercial hub that is intended to serve the very local community that it surrounds. A marketplace ultimately is initiated by the people who live there. It is very local in scale. The marketplace is an integral part of village culture as communities make it their own. This, essentially, is what the Mia Market is all about. The Mia Market used to convene on the street in front of the famous Mia Pagoda until several years ago when the local government requested the market to move to a designated marketplace area at the entrance of the village. However, the Mia Market is a perfect example of the baseline definition of what a market is. When talking to the vendors and the people who shop there, I quickly established the scope of the market. The majority of the vendors who sell here and customers who shop here either live in Dung Lam or live within a 5 kilometers radius of the village. When talking to a lady who was selling bean sprouts at the village, another lady jumped in and started conversing with the vendor. I noticed that they knew each other. The vendor lady even offered her a discount for being a repeat customer. When I asked about the relationship between the people who sell and the people who buy, the neighboring vendors jumped in too. The relationship between vendor and vendor, vendor and customer is very tight-knit. Everyone knows each other. This confirmed my notion that this market is very much local. Walking through this market, I can tell that this market is designed to serve the surrounding community through the different products that it offers. A great example is something called tung kue, or sauce made off of the fermentation of a special type of rice and soybean. The taste is a salty concentrated sauce with a rich aftertaste. I can really taste the aroma of the toasted soybeans in my throat. Anyways, the sauce is only available in Dung Lam, hence it is called Dung Kue, which means the sauce of the village. Local fermenters store this traditional sauce in large terracotta containers and process them when they are old enough and have the rich taste that makes the sauce special. You cannot find this sauce outside the village, for the village people pride in only selling this sauce at Dung Lam. Another great example is that the fact that there is a huge variety of field crabs as well as smaller animals that can only be found in farms. Since the surrounding area around Dunlam are all dedicated to rice fields, there is a great variety of smaller crabs and field animals that are sold in the village. Hence, Mia Market is a great example of the baseline idea of a marketplace, a small local market that is shaped by the people it serves and is intended to benefit the local village culture. To our next stop, at the, northern, at the northmost point in Vietnam, next to the border of China, is the famous Bac Ha Market. This was an extension of my trip to Sapa, a day trip which took me over 100 kilometers northeast of the city. The Bac Ha Market is only held on Sundays from early in the morning until early in the afternoon. It is considered one of the most famous markets in Vietnam because it is one of the only few markets that belong to the native population living in the area. It is one of the largest and most colorful markets in the area, selling everything from fresh produce, clothes, and souvenirs to the traditional tanko horse meat dish. On Sundays, villagers from surrounding hills and tribes walk to the market to exchange food, animals, clothes, as well as socialize with other vendors. Bakha Market was founded when Lao Cai was officially recognized as a province, and from then onwards, the market has only ever convened on Sundays. 
As I visited the market early in the morning, I saw a bustling scene of people from all around the mountainous regions of Laokai province come together and create such a lively environment. This is because only, besides only being a place where people could exchange goods, the Bakha market also acts as a cultural exchange and festivity site. It's a meeting point for people all around the region to get to know one another and interact with people from the same or different region. The people in the area see the market as which means day of festivities in Vietnamese. I've seen groups of men and women in their traditional costumes carrying embroidered baskets sit and enjoy a bowl of tanko and talking to each other in their traditional tribal language. I've seen auctions for animals and horses take place at the outer reaches of the market with people bidding vigorously with one another. After a successful bid, they would huddle together and enjoy a shot of alcohol to celebrate their success. I've also seen traditional dancing and music in the center of the market as spectators crowd around them and enjoy the performance. It just shows that besides being a fundamental marketplace area, Bakha Market acts as a social hub and a site where people living in remote regions can reunite and bond over festivities, food, as well as the selling atmosphere. For next up, we move further south to Quy Nhơn as well as to the southmost point of Vietnam, Phu Quoc. Both of these stops have a thing in common. They are both coastal cities, well, Phu Quoc being an island more specifically. My next example of a marketplace are the fish markets in both of these cities. But you have to understand that these fish markets are unique in their own way. There is not a building where these markets convene. There is no set time where these fish markets convene. It is such a great example of a marketplace in Vietnam because of its variable nature. In Phu Quoc at 5 a.m., I visited a fish market in Ang Thoi Port where local fishing ships docked and unloaded their fish onto land. In the middle of it all, I saw hordes of local fishermen and women in their bright yellow boots, cone hats, and rubber gloves carry plastic crates and containers to the outermost section of the port to help unload the catch from the fishing boats. Among the things unloaded are fresh squid, crabs, and different types of fish, clams, oysters, eels. The fishing boats ring their bells on board to alert the people that the marketplace is convening there, and people immediately move to the outside of the port. Vendors set their station on the two edges of the pier with their boats behind them. A central alleyway in the middle of the pier serves as a lane which buyers can walk up and down the pier to buy seafood. Early in the morning, the atmosphere of the market is loud and busy. Vendors are actively negotiating the price up, while customers are always negotiating the price down. Local people are shopping with plastic homemade shopping bags. Trucks and containers parked at the beginning of the pier to transport ice to the vendors of the edges of the pier. It was a lively early morning fish market in Fukuok. While in Quinyon at 12pm, I visited a port at the northern end of the city. This port also handles containers from passing by ships, as well as boats that dock there to load their seafood. At the edge of the port is a huge scaffolding structure with nothing within it, just a couple of steel frames and a huge brick-laid area underneath the structure. This was where the market was convened. Boats would dock at one end of the port and they would wheel their produce to that structure when vendors would set up their stalls anywhere within the area. There was no set pathway or structure within the village. Those who arrived first got to set up their stall at the center of the area, while those who arrived last got to set up at the furthest end of the area. Customers were waiting outside the gate to the port until the boats finished loading up their catches. As the gate opens, mopeds break through the tsunami of people waiting outside the door, and the people rush through to the scaffolding structure. It is almost analogous to a school of fish facing a huge incoming wave. I was there to witness that moment. It was a magical moment to see the Huynian fish market come into life. 
In summary, what these two markets have in common and adds our discussion about the idea of a marketplace is that it does not have to be confined to a certain area or to a certain time. These fish markets move with the boats that contain its produce. It is dependent on the weather, the time of day, and the fishing markets sprout wherever the people go. And it has a, sponta- a spontaneity factor that really shows how dynamic the markets really are. A marketplace can be something that is mobile, that moves with people, and it challenges the idea that a market must be confined to a specific area and time. Now we return to Bentan Market, what our episode is about today. What is interesting about Bentan Market is how it differs from the definitions and the traits of markets that we've established throughout the course of the episode. Before I delve more into that, I want to give you a description of my trip to Benten Market. Entering the north door of the market, the first thing I noticed were flashing colors. Red, blue, green, white, purple, pink, yellow, orange, you name it. Vibrant stalls selling souvenirs and beautiful aoyais make up the outer layers of the market before we enter the main hall of the market itself. As I walked further into the market, I was greeted with more bright colors as well as vendors on the side who enticed me into buying souvenir foods, snacks, dried produce, and sweets at very cheap prices. The selling tactics of these vendors were masterful. They would play into the emotional appeal of having visited the market and not buying anything from it. They would argue that buying their product would be like bringing a piece of market home with them. They would present you with special cheap prices, which makes you think that's only for them, but in fact, they raised the original price up and lowered it. Poor tourists. Once you buy things from one stall, other stalls will want you to buy from them too. The market is split into several sections. In the center hall of the market, you'll find a jungle of stalls, which sells everything from fabric to household goods and tools to dried snacks and religious accessories. Walking in between the stalls, you will feel like you're walking into a whole new world. In the food section of the market, you can find stalls selling seafood, traditional Chinese dishes, northern Vietnamese dishes, southern Vietnamese dishes, smoothies, juices, and so much more. Those mini restaurants are structured like mini cubes where where a tiny kitchen will be set up behind a glass panel. You would be served your dish on the other side of that glass panel. People would try and tempt you into looking at the menu and try all their dishes. I was tempted to do so, but only gave in to one restaurant, which served wonton noodles and sweet soup. Tourists would fill all of these stalls, trying to eat as much food as they can. Because the foods are so cheap, they could fill their bellies with less than nine, eight or nine dollars. Other stalls would work together so you won't even have to move to their stalls. They would bring their food to you. Restaurant owners would try to converse with tourists with their broken English and their pre-prepared signs, much to the amusement of the tourists who are excitedly expressing how amazing the food is. The food scene in Bentan Market is vivacious and exuberant. Hence, Bintan Market has grown to become something more than just a Saigon market. It has become the symbol of Saigon, or frankly, one of the most famous sites in Vietnam. Really, then, does the market really truly mean to serve the community it surrounds? Conversing with local vendors, they claim that the tourists take up the bulk of the visitors during the day, but they do occasionally see Saigon locals visiting the market too. With Bintan Market, it is undeniable that it has been in some ways commercialized because of the attention it received. However, it challenges an aspect of the baseline idea of a marketplace that I previously discussed, about its local scale. Benton Market differs from Mia Market in the scale that it represents. Besides serving the local Saigon community, it also serves a more global scale to accommodate tourists who are visiting the market on a daily basis. 
However, Benton Market is similar to the Mir Market because it's very much saved by the Saigon community from the food it serves, what it sells, to its architecture and history. It differs from the fish markets in Fukuok and Quinyun because of its permanent nature. However, it's similar to them in that the people who operate the market are spontaneous, lively, and are willing to move where the people are. Bintan Market is similar to the Bakhae Market because, in a way, it can also act as a social hub for vendors and customers alike. How, then, does Bintan Market play into our discussion of the idea of a marketplace? In my view, Bintan Market, though still fitting with the definition of what a marketplace should be, acts as a cultural center. It is a mirror of Vietnamese society. What makes it unique from other markets is that it adapts as Vietnamese society changes. For example, as tourism becomes more prevalent in Ho Chi Minh, Bintan Market has adapted so it has capacity taken tourists. There was also an uptick in stalls that sell souvenirs and products specifically geared to tourists. As technology, or the 4.0 age, prevails in Vietnamese society, stores have made the option of online payment available and placed a heavier emphasis on the digitalization of its marketplace system. As street food rises in popularity among Vietnamese youth, more restaurants began to integrate street food dishes into their menus to attract more local customers. The market itself also diversifies the range of products that it sells throughout the year, which reflect the changing needs of the local community too. When tourists visit the market, they get a hands-on glimpse at a different aspect of Vietnamese society. Everything from art to fashion to food to other cultural aspects. A tourist is able to learn a lot about Vietnamese culture when they visit the market. Hence, Bintan Market is able to act as a cultural center, which is a reflection of Vietnamese society. Incorporating the different markets that we went over today, I established that the concept of a marketplace is more fluid than its literal definition. Through the Mia market, I formed the baseline idea that a typical market is something that is local and specific to the community that it serves. This idea comes from the notion that most of Vietnamese culture is, in fact, independent village culture. However, Bakha Market in Lao Cai shows that a market can also function as a social hub, a site for festivities and communal bonding. A marketplace can be a place for reunion and for celebration, too. The two fish markets in Quinyun and Fukuok showed me that a marketplace does not have to be confined to a space and time, and that it is a mobile entity which moves with the people that shape it. I concluded that the Bintan market is a mirror which reflects Saigon society and that can be a cultural center which showcases the best of Vietnamese culture, serving a more global scale. The spectrum of the functions of markets in Vietnamese society pushes the boundaries of what marketplaces can be and what they can do. As the Vietnamese narrative evolves, the role of these markets change, and they become ever so versatile. But in many ways too, the market culture of Vietnam reflects regional aspects of culture that needs to be preserved. Marketplaces are fundamentally shaped by the people who sell and buy within them. The evolution of a role of a marketplace from a local community hub to a global cultural center is a perfect analogy of the evolution of Vietnamese society. This is the Vietnamese Narrative Podcast. <laughs>